98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station, Bigly Blast. I had hoped that the Cardinals would strike a deal with Kyler Murray this offseason that in return for this big bag of money, we need you to come out of your comfort zone. We need you to get up under center and play quarterback the traditional way at least a good portion of the time. And alas, that doesn't appear to be the case. Cliff Kingsbury said yesterday that as long as he's calling plays in Arizona, he is committed to the shotgun offense. It's the same position he he took when accepting the job in 2019 when he downplayed the importance of play-action schemes. But Kingsbury's programs also have a history of collapsing down the stretch, and maybe he had an excuse in college when his red faders would get exposed by better teams inside the conference. That happens. But in the NFL, his collapsing offenses have been more about the predictability, about the failure to evolve, and putting a quarterback under center solves a lot of that organically. It creates the deception the Cardinals so badly need when they get deep into seasons, the kind you cannot get with tricky formations and pre-snap gyrations and pretty boy football. So, as open as Kingsbury has been this training camp, I really hope he's bird-dogging us on this one because we saw how spicy the offense looked with Trace McSorley under center. Just imagine if that was Kyler Murray. Alas, for now, it appears that imagining is all we can do. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, I haven't changed. Yeah, I think it's um, a, a mix of both, but, you know, I'll always be predominantly shotgun if I'm calling plays. That was Cliff Kingsbury yesterday on that very subject of your blast. Shotgun or under center, predominantly shotgun. Could we see a little bit more under center sprinkled in in non-goal line or short yarded situations? Maybe. But, you know, we talked about this earlier, Bick, and I think you can't discount one element of all of this. And that is now you have a $230 million quarterback who has been very comfortable playing quarterback a certain way his whole life. How much do you consider the comfort level of your quarterback? And that butts up against the the big question, can a predominantly shotgun offense be productive and consistent enough to win a Super Bowl? I think it's it's a fascinating blend a blend of questions right now and I also think that um you know we can't discount the, the 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 late season fades the last two years, you have to consider the physical health of Kyler Murray. This might very well be a litmus test kind of a year. We'll stick to Cliff Kingsbury's philosophy, predominantly shotgun. You roll the dice, you hope your quarterback is healthy. But if there's another fade or mm-hmm. you know, this team gets easy to figure out in the second half right. of the season again, I think there there does need to be some sort of fundamental change with yeah. it. And, and again, and I think that there have been too often and maybe maybe you can back this up, maybe you won't, but there's been too often down the stretch the last two years when a lot of the stuff that seems to be cute and splashy early in the year just gets detonated by defenses, and defenses kind of treat it with disdain a little bit. I've seen a lot of plays that just fail immediately. 
down the stretch of seasons, and it's because defenses have just sniffed them out. And, and that is the beauty of play-action football is that it, it's eternal for a reason because there's natural deception in it. If a quarterback goes to hand off the football to James Conner and, and the quarterback's back is to the defense, the defense is coming at him. And then if you fake that handoff and you pull the ball back and you throw over the top of the defense that's now crept up towards the line of the scrimmage, now you've done something very damaging to the defense. Now that defense isn't so attacking. It's not creeping on you like they quite often do. And then once they fail to creep up on you, then you start pounding them between the tackles. Mm-hmm. And now you've got the defense on a string. Now you got them on ice skates. That's, that's, that's eternal. That kind of offense has worked from day one in the NFL, and it's still working right now. Look at the Bengals and Joe Burrow, what they did in the play action last year. Now, again, this has not been Cliff Kingsbury's thing. He's been very consistent about this. I went back um, before they went into the 2019 season. He was asked about the disadvantages of playing in a shotgun offense in the NFL his response was, quote, I've never seen disadvantages. Some people say say there are. I don't. I know some people say you've got to have a downhill running game from under center, but then you watch Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, and he was in shotgun 100% of the time, and they led the league. They had 230 yards a game in rushing, so I've never bought into that. Some other people have theories about it, but I think you can do everything just as well from shotgun as you can under center, end quote. I, I, I hope he turns out to be right about that. I, I hope that the issues with the Cardinals collapsing the last two seasons are are much more about things other than what I think they are. Because if 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 they think they can just go back and and continue to expose defenses from shotguns in Week 17 the way they did in Week Five, I, I think we've already seen the results of that. So I, I, I'm a little disappointed to hear that. To be quite honest with you, well, and it's it's not it's nothing. It's not a deal breaker. It's not like I'm going to go cheer for the Tennessee Titans now. Because Cliff Kingsbury said this, and when but when, when did those comments? Twenty nineteen, March no. of twenty nineteen. So before his first season here. Okay, um, and let's go back to that. Um, Cliff Kingsbury was hired for his offensive acumen, and not necessarily a hey, we, we love what this guy did in college. We want him to change it in the NFL. And I do think the offense has changed a bit over the years. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it was also. And all due respect to Cliff and Steve Kime, who made that maneuver, it was also a knee-jerk reaction to one of the most woeful offenses we've ever seen play for the Arizona Cardinals. So those things are are both true. Um, Can it be successful, again, for a full season? I I think that's the million-dollar question. It is. And I don't know um, because the, the health hasn't played out um you know can you're not going to get full participation this year because you're without your best wide receiver for six games um which is the number one excuse they use when they say what happened at the end of the season and that to me is the biggest question going into the season for that first you know third of the schedule is how prepared is cliff kingsbury to run this offense and make it productive without DeAndre Hopkins. And what you said, too, earlier about you know the season wearing on and all, all the, the cuteness of it and the gadget plays that were so successful early on, to me, the poster boy for that, again, by no fault of his own, Rondell Moore. 
Look at his production early in the season last year, and as the season wore on, uh, teams just seemed to kind of know how they were going to employ him. And he's been pinpointed as a key member of this offense to unlock everything they want to unlock. Um, you know, the story we brought up from the Ringer earlier this week that projected the Cardinals' offense to be 17th best, and they point out that the track record isn't great in offensive efficiency in the three years under Cliff Kingsbury. I think this has got to be the year Thank you. where they unlock everything because of the, yeah. the you know the question marks on the defensive side of the ball. Without a doubt. And, and, and yeah, that's part and parcel. And that's the other thing, too. If you go to more of a play-action kind of scheme, you can also do um, you can also do uh, time of possession. You can control that a little better, and that might might be that might be essential given what might be ahead with the Cardinals' defense. Uh, it's it's what well, strange journey, man. Strange journey. We are twenty three days away from opening day. We've got another preseason game this weekend, and there's a lot of young guys that that I'm going to be watching. Uh, I I mentioned Christian Matthew yesterday on defense. I really think he accounted himself real well for a seventh rounder out of mm-hmm. Valdosta. But I, Jesse Lucetta is a guy that I'm going to be looking at as a linebacker who might be the impact linebacker in place of Zavin Collins. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. I told you, I had a guy tell me that when, when they drafted him that people don't know how good this kid is and he's going to be the best player Steve Kime selects in that draft. We'll see. Number 43 on your scorecard. There you go. <laughs> Who else has been 43? Vinny, you know any other 43s? Hassan Radek. You're incredible. <laughs> I couldn't even begin to tell you That's a number 43. Only, only, only other one I can think of. Uh, but hey, I got one. You got one. Uh, coming up next, we know what Deshaun Watson's penalty will be for the Cleveland Browns. 11 games. Might this get the wheels spinning on some quarterback roster movement from around the league? We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Hash Marks. We didn't know what he was going to say because the two times he spoke beforehand, his introductory press conference back in March and then during minicamp in June, he said, I have no regrets about any actions that I have done related to these uh, sessions with uh, uh, the women that have accused him of these things. And so before the Jacksonville game last week, he had this short interview that aired on the Browns pregame show where he apologized to the women he had that had been impacted, I think was the way he phrased it, which right. it was unclear what he was apologizing for, who he exactly was apologizing to. And so I was struck by basically him reverting back to what his stance has been previously, which was, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm completely innocent. And, you know, I don't think that I should be suspended for anything that's happened. That is Jake Trotter. He covers the Cleveland Browns for ESPN. Reaction to what happened yesterday. First, it started with the news breaking that Deshaun Watson had uh, you know, taken a settlement deal, uh, got a settlement deal with the uh, NFL. 11 games, $5 million fine, committing to uh, treatment off the field uh, for a duration of time. That's where it started. And then quickly after that, Deshaun Watson spoke, followed by Jimmy and Dee Haslam, the owners of the Cleveland Browns. And it was such a puzzling exchange with the media. Uh, and you 
heard Jake Trotter kind of uh, highlight some of it from Deshaun Watson's standpoint. My 16-year-old son texted me yesterday right. and said, the Cleveland Browns might have the worst PR team in the entire world. <laughs> a well, 16-year-old son. Yeah, I, I don't think they're getting a lot of, uh, I don't think they've gotten a lot of help from Deshaun Watson. I don't think so either. Because he has been, he's been reticent, he, he's been very defiant, refusing to apologize, acting like a guy who's just only being sh- shook down. And then he did apologize because clearly somebody got to him and said, you better say something that's contrite, something. And he did. And and to me, I, at that point in time, I thought, okay, you know, he, he went and did something that he needs to do to help put this behind him. And then he just reverts to this attitude of, I've done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Your translation device works. And the, the problem also is that throughout this entire thing, and we talked about it during training camps and off season, they just kept putting him out there in front of the media. Like, why did the Browns just keep letting him go out there and, and talk and talk and talk? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And he's obviously been able to follow a script during this process. Mm-hmm. He did it for months and months saying the same thing. I never disrespected anybody. I never assaulted anybody. I never harassed anybody. And then yesterday, just kind of going rogue and flip-flopping on what he had did six days prior. He was also asked yesterday during that session uh, whether or not he thinks the suspension is fair. I can't speak on the, the fairness. I only can really control what I can control. And that's, you know, through, throughout this process, you know, the NFL did what they had to do. And the uh, NFLPA, you know, communicated with the legal side. Like I said before, I focused on, you know, being out here, being the best teammate and football player and quarterback I can for the Cleveland Browns. And I let the legal side handle it. And that's not going to happen now until week 13 uh, when he is eligible to come back for that game in Houston against the Texans. You want to talk about a zoo? That's going to be an absolute zoo. Oh, yeah. Uh, but we got a ways to get there. Oh. And the Browns have a ways to get there, too. And they right now are prepared to go into the season with Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback. Which- yeah. And I like Jacoby Brissett as a quarterback. I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can sustain play for thirteen weeks or eleven weeks, whatever it's going to be. But, he was uh, not good last year in Miami, and I liked Jacoby Brissett in past tense a yeah. lot more. I like the Colts version of Jacoby Brissett a lot more, even the Patriots version of Jacoby Brissett a lot more. Now, does he have more talent in Cleveland than he had in Miami? Maybe. What I'm wondering, and some people are suggesting this, Nate Davis from USA Today among them, that maybe this is final. Finally, where these two never-ending quarterback stories, one over here, the Deshaun Watson story, one over here, where is Jimmy Garoppolo going to end up? Maybe these two stories merge together and finally we can get some clarity on both. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people now, not a lot of people, but I, it, in terms of uh, in terms of the Browns, they've got a really good roster here. And the question becomes, can they hang around enough for Deshaun Watson to come in and put them over the top and get them to the playoffs? As we talked about, they're in a, an awful tough division. The AFC is where all the power is. Uh, I think this pretty much dooms the Browns season, personally. I think if you're looking for other things that might pop, Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback. People are saying if this Tom Brady thing doesn't get done in Tampa, that's where he might end up. If Tom, I'm sorry, if Tom Brady doesn't come back, which is a growing fear from people. <laughs> Can you imagine if he just left? <laughs> right. After Bruce Arians ejected himself to accommodate him coming back. And then plays next year for Miami. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Could you imagine? Wow. Yeah, wow is right. 
This is going to be, listen, somebody brought up to me uh, the other day, I, this coming football season is going to be so nuts, and because last year's season was nuts, I had forgotten all about, do you remember that crazy scene between the Chargers and the Raiders the last week of the season? Do you remember that? Refresh my memory. All they, that's my point. This is an amazing story, and it, it just, it disappeared in the, in the ether. The Raiders and the Chargers played a final game, and if they finished in a tie, both, oh, would, that's right. both would make the playoffs. And they played this amazing game, and the Chargers rallied from 15 down to tie the game. And all they had to do was neither team had to score in overtime. And then remember Brandon Staley called timeout? Mm-hmm. When he didn't have to, and mm-hmm. then the Raiders kicked a field goal, and the Chargers didn't go to the playoffs. Somebody reminded me of that story, and I'm like, if that happened in Arizona, could you imagine how nuts we would be going over a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, Brandon Staley got off easy because the Chargers have no fan base. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> there was no criticism. Right, I remember talking about that actually when it happened a little bit, and that's one of the questions too. You want to talk about a crazy season? We're all looking at the AFC West as maybe the most top to bottom competitive division in the history of the National Football League, mm-hmm. and the Chargers have enough talent to win that thing. The Chargers might have enough talent to win the Super Bowl. But their coach does some real daffy stuff. And he even doubled down on it this week. He's like, we're going to do things our way. I wonder if that's going to be enough to cost them again. Because it certainly cost them in that instance. Yeah, you, you stray too far off the farm of conventionality in the NFL and it blows up in your face. It can be a dangerous thing. Going for it on fourth and five from your own 14. Uh, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah. That, but uh, I, I'm not a fan of any one of those teams. But wow, you, what's, what's the weak link? Is Denver the weak link because of you know where they're coming from? No. No, the Raiders are the weak league. I said this before. I think the Raiders are going to finish in last place in that division, yet be good enough to win four of the other divisions in the NFL. That's a but a lot. You know, a lot of people are saying this about the NFC West just la, just going into last year. Yeah, could all greatest four, division of all time? Could all four teams make the playoffs? Right. And you know, all three wild card spots snapped up by teams in that division. Yeah, that's right. Didn't happen, obviously. Three of them. Three, three of them of made, them made it. it. Yeah, I mean that's pretty good. It, oh, it's very good. Uh, but three I, of them I, made it. But, one staged a great upset: the 49ers beating the Packers, and one won the Super Bowl. So that is pretty good. But going into it, I think the AFC West this year is stronger than the NFC West. I agree with that. At this point, I last year with all the previews, that's the hardest agree. division to say who's definitely going to be the fourth team in the division. Yeah, I because most other, even if it's a great division, you're like, well, that team's clearly the fourth best team. That one, you can make the case for any four of them. How about this? Would it shock you if Kansas City's the fourth team in the AFC West? With all this... Uh, with, with they got all, some injury problems. Yeah, listen, they do. With, with all the talk about Kansas City, with all the talk about Baltimore, with all the talk about Denver, with all the talk about all these teams, the one team that people are really sleeping on, the Indianapolis Colts. I might pick them to go to the Super Bowl. The Colts? You are the Colts. Of, you are I'm losing hot takes. I got. I got. I Somebody's got. Somebody's gotten to you, Matt Ryan. Russell Wilson is going to be your MVP. That was my first hot take. What was my other hot take? Tampa's going to miss the playoffs. Is no, that you what said? That Tom Brady's going to retire. Tom Brady might not come back. Right. That's my other hot take. And the Colts might get to the Super Bowl. That's hey, my third hot take. What did you think about uh, Bronny James dunk the other day? <laughs> You want to attack him for it? <laughs> no, you can. You can. I ain't touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Right. Skip it, please. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Coming up next, he might be the hottest pitcher in all of baseball. Diamondbacks right-hander Zach Gallen scheduled to join us straight ahead. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Now the one-two. Check swing. And he went around Estrada down on strikes. Second time this year that Gallen has struck out 11. First it was the Padres, now the Giants. And he would add another one to make it 12 at a dominating performance over the San Francisco Giants yesterday. And the author of that dominating performance, Diamondbacks pitcher Zach Gallen, joins us now on the Arizona Sports Line. Zach, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you guys? Doing real well. Uh, we'll start with the obvious. I mean, you've been really good since you got to Arizona, uh, but you're at a different level right now. Where would you rank yesterday's performance? Was that, was that the most dominant or your best performance, you think, uh, as a major league pitcher? Uh, if I, yeah, if I had to go off the top of my head, I'd say that's, that's, uh, if it's not one, it's up there. Um, you know, like I said the other day, there's, if I could go back and, you know, find some other performances that, you know, maybe, um, are up there, but yeah, that I can remember, uh, that might be number one. All right, you, you might have heard the cut coming into this interview, uh, the play-by-play of Brandon Belt trying to lay down a bunt with two on and two outs, and and that is that is a wild sign of respect to you for a guy like that to say, I, I got no shot. After the game, I know you said that you were still trying to process what you saw with that. Now that you have had time to process it, what do you think of that? Yeah, uh, I, honestly, I was still just kind of... That's what everyone kept saying. They're like, no, that that's that's the ultimate sign of respect. Um, you know, things along those lines. And I'm like, really? I thought you were just trying to, you know, take a hit or whatever. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, it's ultimate sign of respect. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. But like I said in the interview, I'm like, that. Zach Gallen, our guest, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher here on the uh, Arizona Sports Line. Got a little bit of a, a spotty connection there. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, it, the way you're pitching right now, Zach, 9-2, and 2-7-8 ERA, it seems like everything's coming together. Is there anything you're doing differently to make this all click in? Is there any difference from what you've done in the past? Uh, no, not really. Um, just kind of got synced up in my delivery a few starts ago. Um, everything started to take shape. Um, had a pretty good feel for the slider lately. Um, and, you know, just the curveballs felt good. And same thing with the changeups. I think everything kind of just, just synced up and, and going really well. Zach, you guys came within really one strike, a called third strike that did not happen, of winning three of four against the Giants, um, a team you were 2-17 and 17 against last year. What's happening with this team right now? We're seeing the growth of these young guys, but with you and Merrill pitching the way that you are, how are you guys feeling about this season in progress right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, like I said yesterday, last year was kind of a, a tale of two opposites. They were playing really well. We weren't playing well. We were, you know, injured and, you know, all the things that come along with that. Um, I think you just see a lot of guys um, were tired last year of, of getting beat by the Giants and kind of taking it as a little bit of a, all right, we get, we, we need a little bit of vengeance. Um, so I think guys tighten it up a little bit, you know, every time we play them. I know their manager had, had said a couple, you know, things before they came to play us uh, a few weeks ago, and I think that still kind of fired some guys up. But yeah, I mean, 
you got young guys coming up now that are getting comfortable, playing well, um, showing that they belong, and, and I think you, you're seeing that on the field. I mean, granted, there are some times you know we, we make some, some young mistakes and whatnot, but for the most part, uh, you see those young guys starting to get comfortable and, and playing well. Yeah, kind of piggybacking off of that, Zach. I mean, 2020, that year was a bummer for everybody, uh, and it was a, a, a weird year in baseball. Only, what, 60 games. Last year was a rough year. You kind of mentioned it, the young kids given an energy. I wanted to focus on that. There seems to be a different energy that's bubbling with this team as we've seen, uh, different from what we've seen in the past two years. Can you touch on that a little bit more? What what feels different just from a chemistry standpoint this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say it's, it's probably, um, you know, the, the closest clubhouse I've been in, um, just in the sense that, you know, you're getting a lot of these guys now who, who play with each other in the minor leagues and are familiar with each other. Um, so I think that might just be the biggest thing. But, I, I mean, as a whole, um, you know, we all like to hang out with each other, um, you know, in the clubhouse, um, you know, go to dinner or whatever it might be. Like, you know, guys just enjoy each other's company. So I think you're starting to see that kind of gelling of, you know, even some of the older guys who, who are unfamiliar, like, you know, not even necessarily older like Marilyn and myself, but guys didn't, you know, come up with, you know, Varsho and McCarthy and Alec Thomas. Like, you know, we're, it's, it's everyone starting to gel together, and it's, it's been pretty cool. All right, the word stuff is often used in association to starting pitchers. It's used to describe, you know, the quality of pitches and all that. You've always had that stuff. What have you learned over the course of your experience and your growth as a pitcher at, at how to deploy certain pitches in your repertoire, where to lean on this, where to learn on that, uh, it, uh, the evolution of you learning the art of pitching. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think uh, sometimes I have a tendency to kind of, you know, use really, like lean on it too much, maybe whatever's working. Um, and then, you know, might have other pitches that are working and tend to shy away from that. So that's just something that we had kind of looked at this year, um, you know, when I was kind of going through a little bit of a skid there. And, you know, we just kind of, you know, looked at some things and we're like, okay, this is, you know, maybe start using this more, start using that more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of having confidence in everything. I think I'm at my best when I can throw all four or five pitches for strikes and, you know, be pretty, you know, unpredictable as possible in any count, um, you know, you're not expecting any pitches and you can't really eliminate any pitches in certain counts. Zach Gallon of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. My partner mentioned Merrill Kelly, the way he's pitching, the reigning National League Pitcher of the Month, and you're putting up very similar, if not better, numbers to Merrill. It kind of feels like from the outside, Zach, that you guys are, are pushing each other a little bit. Is, is that accurate? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, Dan Carlson's one of our assistant pitching coaches, and he he always jokes. You know, we every start we're trying to one up each other, um, and I mean it's not necessarily something we we talk about out loud, but it's definitely I'm I'm sure. You know, I can't necessarily speak for Merrill, but you know, I see him out there, and I'm like, all right, he went seven scoreless. Now I'm going to go seven and a third or something like that. So, yeah, it's just something that you want to you want to you know pick up the, the do your part essentially. Like, okay, he's he's throwing well. Like, I got to do my part. I got to you know do what I can. Um, yeah, it makes this a little bit tougher to beat. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun. I know they're not a big part of the game anymore, but I find it interesting that all, all the way to this point of the season, you guys don't have a complete game on the staff yet. Is there like a little unofficial pool in the clubhouse to see who gets that first one, or is that a big deal at all anymore? 
<laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. I know Merrill. I think Merrill came within one out uh, a couple months ago. Um, yeah, it's just you know the game changed. Um, yesterday, I thought I, I was looking at. I'm like, I don't think I have one official nine any one in my whole professional career. And I'm looking at doing the math on pitches. I'm like, all right, I got a shot here. Like, I, you know, I got to have a, you know another efficient inning or whatever. Uh, but no, I wouldn't say it's a pool. But I'm sure that you know once somebody gets one, it'll be kind of like a sigh of relief, and maybe it'll be contagious and a couple other guys will, will latch on and you know get their own yeah all right so all right so here's the last question for you um josh rojas uh jake mccarthy each had three hits last night this young kid stone garrett comes up in five plate appearances he's hit the ball crazy hard each time is there the a feeling that we in arizona and you with the diamondbacks are on the verge of a bright new history with this youth movement yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, like I said, like I touched on earlier, getting these guys that uh, who are in, you know, AAA, AA, that have the talent, they come up and they're comfortable because they know half the guys in the clubhouse. Um, I think that's a, you know, it can be sometimes a positive and a negative, you know, having young guys in the clubhouse. Um, but I think in the sense of guys being you know, comfortable when they come up and, and feeling good to play. You know, Grant's the big leagues. There's so many things going on, and, you know, it can be a little nerve-wracking. You get these guys come up, and they're like, okay, I know guys here. I can lean on guys here. Um, you know, I've been through the minor leagues with guys here, so now I just got to go and play and, and do my thing. Um, so, yeah, I think you're, you're seeing that take shape, and I know there's some guys waiting in the wings as well in AAA, so I think, I think we're on the right path. Zach, congrats on that performance again yesterday. That was awesome yeah. stuff, man. It's been fun to watch you pitch this year and thanks so much for joining us this morning we appreciate it stay hot thanks zach gallon diamondbacks pitcher he joined us here on the arizona sports line might be back to back pitchers of the month with the dino i don't want to jinx anything because there's still you know 12 days left in this month but the way it's going right now (laughs) that might be the case he's been that good coming up next we continue give a thon for phoenix children's our finish strong day day five it's presented by your valley hyundai dealers and the akchin indian community and it's next here on 98 7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Ak Chin Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Giveathon on the Bigley and Marotta Show. It is a final day, day five, Friday. Big finish day, Bick, of Giveathon Week for Phoenix Children's, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Akchin Indian community. Uh, we started the day at over $1.3 million raised, thanks to everybody who's already donated this week. But if you have not donated to help out the kids and the families at Phoenix Children's and you waited, Sometimes procrastination pays off because today is a big day. It is a triple match day thanks to our Valley Hyundai dealers. And when you call up and donate at 602-933-4567, it gets tripled. By your Valley Hyundai dealers. So if you give $20 a month, uh, which is what you do give uh, to become a champion of hope, that becomes $60 a month. Right. If you give a one-time gift of $300, it becomes $900. You see how it works. So your procrastination has paid off. Don't procrastinate anymore. Become a champion of hope right now. 602-933-4567. We've got our team of volunteers at the Desert Financial Phone Bank. Again, that number, 602-933-4567. Now, you might 
wonder, all right, if I donate, where's this money going to go? Is it just going to disappear into some bank account? Where exactly is my money going to go? I'm here to tell you that many families who show up at Phoenix Children's don't have the wherewithal to pay for the treatment their children really need. And at that point in time, they are not thinking about their finances. They want their child to get healthy. 51% of patient families have little or no private medical insurance, and yet Phoenix Children's turns away nobody. We have mentioned, I have mentioned through our experience at being at Phoenix Children's, it's it's life-changing, by the way. It will it will sharpen your perspective in a minute. Um, I, I've always been amazed at the spirit and the optimism and the resiliency of these young children who are hospitalized at Phoenix Children's. And at the same time, I've also been just um, just almost debilitated at the pain and the anguish you see on the faces of parents. And, and this is what your money will do. Your money is going to help build a bridge to, to well-being for children whose, whose parents are going to struggle with this. Uh, there are parents who have a hard time affording gas to come and and be with their mm-hmm. children or food to spend time. All of this gets funneled to, to taking care of the families and the people involved. Your money is directly linked to that. So you are everybody who donates, whether it's 20 bucks, whether it's 200 bucks, you're doing a great thing. Yeah, because you hit the nail on the head. Every dollar counts. It's such a massive undertaking, and it's such an expensive endeavor. I mean, the figure is out there, $2.7 million per day just to run the hospital. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so whatever you can give, and as much as you can give, greatly appreciated. Become a champion of hope at uh, 602-933-4567. Again, a champion of hope is a term we throw around a lot. Some people don't know what it means. When you give $20 per month, you become a champion of hope. And and also, a teddy bear will be delivered to a patient in your name at Phoenix Children's, and that is such a, a heartwarming experience. Uh, Vic and I have both done that several times over the years at Phoenix Children's, and it really does make a big difference in their day. 602-933-4567 is the uh, phone number. Got another check presentation now. Uh, let's go to it. This uh, check presentation from the great people at Night Swift Transportation. Hi, I'm Todd. Hi, I'm Whitney. And we're with Night Swift Transportation. And we are excited to be here today to donate $10,000 on behalf of all of our employees to Phoenix Children's Hospital's Giveathon. We challenge you to become champions of hope just like us and donate today by calling 602 933 4567 to our phone bank. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Todd and Whitney. Night Swift Transportation, $10,000 added to the Outstanding. total. Outstanding. And we are only about 25 minutes from updating our tote board for the day uh, as we try to march on to uh, $2 million here on uh, the final day of Giveathon for Phoenix Children's, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Akchin Indian community. You heard Todd and Whitney give the challenge. I'll give it again. Call our volunteers at the Desert Financial Phone Bank, 602 933 Four five six seven. That's six zero two nine three three four five six seven, and become a champion of hope. It's time for another story of hope presented by Madame Holmes in September twenty nineteen. Jason, a student at Brophy College Prep, collapsed during basketball practice and was unresponsive. His mom, D, dad, Chris, and Jason talk about that fateful day and what was to come in his Phoenix Children's journey. This is Jason's story. 
getting a call from the school when you see that pop up on your phone uh, middle of the day or the afternoon it always takes a pause so my husband he simultaneously was getting a phone call from the police officer that had hopped in the ambulance with Jason but as we started driving down and discussing what was going on we started to I think get a little bit more panicked my husband went to park the car and I, I ran in at that point that instinct kicked in that something wasn't right and that's when we found Jason you know getting treatment by multiple people there were first responders standing over him the emergency room staff due to the amount of people in the room it was it instantly caught you as wow this is this is serious it, it, it was it was frightening but Chris and I knew to stay calm because we knew that he was in the right place and the experts were taking care of him Jason had had collapsed at practice, that they had gotten to the scene, that an AED had been administered. For that to be administered, we now know the heart must be stopped. Uh, I do remember just waking up in the hospital bed and I was confused. Uh, my mom mentioned to me that I actually thought I was in the hospital because of COVID. I didn't know what had happened to me. It's like my brain just completely forgot about everything that day. But the overall experience from the emergency room to the ICU, it, it, it was absolutely incredible and exactly what you would want. And when we did get introduced to the Dr. Franklin, Dr. Velez duo, um, the A-team, we had no idea, again, being in it, that we had, you know, the MVPs of, of you know, the surgical and um, clinical team. You know, everything from them drawing us pictures, you know, asking, answering our questions as things were unfolding. They were so patient. Um, but that's the type of doctors and surgeons that we dealt with who, no matter how long their day was, was making sure we as patients were seen and heard. Um, and that was important. You know, we were scared once we started to get more information um, because of the unknowns of Jason's recovery. As the days turn into multiple days and move on, you know, Jason went in and he had a surgery approximately a week, a week later. So spending time at BCH around the clock and, and, and they do a really good job. They become your family because you, you don't leave and you're there nonstop. I can't be, have enough gratitude and be thankful enough to the folks that gave us care. The ICU director stayed. I checked in with her at night, you know, just walking to get a cup of coffee and said hello to her and said thank you for a stat. She knew that Jason was did well and he was checking out of the ICU after his open heart surgery. She smiled. She said, I'm so happy for you because not everyone gets the outcomes. Because we are, we're very fortunate. Jason has a very, very great, and we were very fortunate for his outcome. And, and and she was another person that just it was so grateful for the staff and the standards that they maintained for themselves in that hospital. It, it was remarkable. Wow, what an incredible institution you'll find yourself in when you, if, if you receive care or ever need to attend PCH for any reason. Now is the best time to call 602-933-4567 to donate to PCH. Triple your donation now. It's the Giveathon Triple Match. Yeah, 
right. Your Valley Hyundai dealers sponsoring this triple match. So when you call 602-933-4567 and become a champion of hope, your $20 per month becomes $60 per month. You see the impact this can make uh, when you become a champion of hope, especially during today and all day long. Your Valley Hyundai dealers triple match. Call our volunteers. Desert Financial Phone Bank, 602-933-4567 is the phone number. Get those donations tripled right now uh, and take advantage of it. Uh, this morning, we got the note, Vic, 23 uh, kids in the PICU unit. Let's, let's look for 23 champions like of hope it. right now. It's 602-933-4567. Now is a great time to do it, and time is of the essence because, as Vinny has been saying all week, children cannot wait for life-saving care. This is very, very important stuff. And as Arizona's population grows, so does the need for pediatric health care services. We are a fast-growing metropolis, and hence the need for, for your philanthropy and your goodness comes into even, sharp, even sharper focus. Triple match, a great time to get this thing rolling. Absolutely. Desert Financial Phone Bank, 602-933-4567. When you become a champion of hope for just $20 per month, a teddy bear will be delivered to a patient in your name, and that's what's happening right now. That trained teddy bear express rolling through PCH once again. 602-933-4567. Help us finish strong today for the kids at Phoenix Children's as we continue Give-A-Thon, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers in the Ak-Chin Indian community.